Hello, welcome to our podcast. Hi, it's Tim. And hi, it's Jen. And we're back for our next podcast on the core wound abandonment. This is a big one. Are you sure you're up for this? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but I guess we can't fan anything. We really, we, we like to open up and like to be vulnerable and like to explore our feelings. So, yeah, I would have to say yes. All right, all right. Um, I guess I can start off. I mean, abandonment is, I mean, I don't know. It's just such a part of my identity. I, um, I've always known that my core wound was abandonment. Um, I just didn't realize like how, how much, I mean, how much more, you know, it was than I even thought, but, um, um, I was abandoned by my father when I was four and, um, you know, it, it definitely affected me. I mean, it was, it was the first of many abandonments, but, um, but it was severe. It was, it wasn't just like all of a sudden, um, it was, it was all of a sudden, yeah. you know, where, where he was just not there anymore and there was nothing, there was no phone calls or, you know, seeing each other. It was just like one day that was it. And I never saw him again. So, you know, it was really tough. I mean, and I, you know, I remember being so lost and being so scared. And then I also remember at the same time actually being happy because he was really violent, you yeah. know, um, and he was really scary. So I was always scared, always scared of him. So it was a strange thing to go through at four years old, you know, and that lasted a, quite a few years, you know. Um, and then at six, I lost my grandfather, mm. the only grandfather that I knew, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was really hard, too. So this was like a secondary you know, abandonment in such a short time. Um, so, you know, that, that's how my life started by, you know, being abandoned. And it was, you know, it was just, uh, it was miserable. (laughs) It was miserable. And then I would say, you know, maybe a couple of years later, like two years later, I was, um, you know, abandoned by my mother. I mean, not that I really, you know, feel like I was close to my mother before that, but at that point, um, you know, she got remarried and I very much had tried to speak with her about my feelings. I remember very specifically like how sad I was and that I needed her and she just shushed me off, yeah. you know, that was it. And then, um, and then it was like, I was really alone. I was really alone, you know? And I think <clears throat> that the one thing that got me through was that I would watch after my sister. I mean, something that mm. I really shouldn't have had, of course. That's yeah. like that parentification, yeah. you know. Um, A whole other wound in itself, yeah, yeah. but on top of abandonment. Yeah. But I felt such a strong pull to care for her. Um, and I was just so young, and I was so scared. I was just so scared of everything. So it was really, really rough. But, you know, I tried to be strong for her. You know, that's the one thing that I remember. Um you know, so that was the beginning, and then that was the beginning of a lot of abandonments in my life, you yeah. know? 
you know, it sets you up for a, a windfall of ways of coping, of dealing with life. Mm-hmm. You know, as we've said so many times, your coping skills and your, you know, the synapses, you know, up until about the age of eight is, you know, they're being formed on how yeah. your brain takes in information and how it, you know, connects it and puts all the pieces together. So at the age of four, you know, you, I, you know, I remember you telling, you know, some of the stories about, you know, your dad, your earliest memory, you were 18 months and your mom had said, keep an eye on Jenny. And there was your dad and he bent down with one eye open and stared at you. And that's a, you know, the fear that came along with that. Yeah, that you was know? my first memory and it was of fear. It yeah. It was a fear of him. So that was, you know, kind of is like a telltale of my entire life. You know, so yeah. it's, it's something how here is a situation where there's a lot of fear, as you, you, you had said, but yet when he leaves as a four-year-old, the abandonment. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy how yeah. something that was so negative and so bad, and as a child, you don't realize the difference because that's your norm. You think that's the way that it's supposed to be and that father figure, that your father, you know, he's gone. Yeah, and it, you know what, really, it, and as I'm like thinking back, so I'm like going in my head, because I can see, I can see it all, I can see the day that his spit was coming yeah. out of his mouth when he was yelling, and you know, my mom was holding me, and my aunt, my aunt was holding my sister, and we were, you know, running, we lived very close to where my grandmother lived, um, you know, I'm just thinking back to all the things, and um, initially, you know, after he left... Um, there was a time period where my mother had my sister and I write letters Mm. and draw cards and like very specifically, you know, and that I remember being a really like tormented time too, because, you know, there was nothing. So it was almost like, you know, we were, we were being set up, you know, I mean, I'm sure not on purpose, but like initially it was run, get away. But then I guess, you know, my mother was really young. Yeah. She had me at 17. She had my sister at 19. So she was in her early 20s at this point. And um, and she was alone and a single Mm. mother, two little girls. I mean, you know, I'm sure very scared. So she must have changed her mind at some point. And that is when, you know, I remember, you know, writing these cards and, you know, and there was never a response. There was never anything back. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that, that of course, as a little girl felt terrible. You know, yeah. like you're, you're begging, you know, your, your parent, your father, you know, the only, this person that you think is, you know, so supposed now to think be there. about, think about that and how, you know, that affected you for, so to speak, the rest of your, you know, your womanhood for your, your life where here you are, your, your father, you're writing letters to mm-hmm. and, you know, professing your love. And asking for him to come back or to see him and yeah. not getting anything. Not getting anything. Anything in response. No, nothing. You know, and I, that's, a hard, that's a hard lesson to deal with at such an early age. Yeah. You know, um, and that being traumatic in itself and only two years later, your grandfather, who died unexpectedly. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, and I remember that day too. I remember the last time I spoke to him. I remember everything about it, you know. I, um... I do have a lot of memories of my childhood, and I know we've talked about this because you don't have any. Yeah. And it's so strange, you know, how it how it manifested for us, and you know, I I want to say that I I really didn't have as many um, memories until I was a teenager, mm. you know, and then 
at 15, my best friend killed himself and there was another abandonment and that was a huge abandonment wound, you know, once again. Um, and that was really, really hard for me. You know, I, uh, I, I would think I was the most lost I ever was. And then I ended up seeing my father again for the first time, like, you know, from four to 15 and there was nothing in between. There was no calls or visits or or cards or anything. There was nothing. I mean, the cards from us initially, but nothing from him I'm saying. And, um, you know, and then after I spent a couple of weeks with him at 15, um, that's when a lot of the memories started to really come back, you know, yeah. but they've always been there. They're there. You know, it's yeah. not like just one day I'm like, oh, you know, I remember this. It's, it's there. They're there. For me, that's how it happened. I yeah. don't know why, you know, but I really do have a lot of memories. You know, and one of the other things I remember, you know, you talking a lot about is the amount of moving that you did. Yeah. You know, and, you know, would you constitute that as an abandonment? You know, that's a great question that no one has ever asked me, Tim, but wow, yeah, that definitely, I think, really would constitute more abandonment, you know. Um, we were constantly moving, you know, mm. not just from from house to house, but we were also just moving from, from school district to school yeah. district, and then, you know, from state, like I lived in in Vermont, you know, my fourth grade year, and then, you know, so we moved so much there was no roots, so it did. It was a constant abandoning. Yeah, you know? house, you know, yeah, town, any friends, friends at all. It was, yeah. and I remember being, you know, in like say middle school, and thinking, you know, kind of being angry, you know, and then the beginning of high school, thinking that, you know, I looked around and it was so hard for me to make relationships, and yeah. still to this day, you know, I mean, I'm doing better than I ever have, but have had such a hard time because of my trauma and because of my you know, abandonment wounds and, and, um, emotional issues and stuff. But I remember being really angry that I couldn't stay in the same place long enough to have Mm -hmm. friends because I looked around and saw everybody in a group and I just always wanted to be accepted. I always wanted to be part of something like that. I didn't have it at home, obviously. And I was always looking for it, you know, somewhere. Um, and I just, you know, I had a really hard time because I think to try to fit in, I would just always abandon myself. Yeah. You know, just constantly <laughs> abandon myself. Yeah. To whoever yeah. and whatever was there. Yeah. And Looking for me. that acceptance and totally. trying to fit in. And it was terrible. It was terrible. It led for the most miserable time of it. Um, you know, and as I'm speaking, I was thinking it wasn't until, you know, somewhere within this past decade um, that I realized that. I, you know, had to rescue myself and I had to be there for myself, you know, and not abandon my own self. Yeah, that core, that that sense of self, you know, being your savior. You can't rely upon anybody else. You can't put that on anybody else. That acceptance has to be that it is yourself. Exactly. You are your own knight in shining armor. Yes, yes, yes. And that was definitely a hard but beautiful realization. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but you think about how abandonment issues manifest and what they trigger us 
to do and how to respond yeah. you know you know, we were reading some passages just before and you know that aspect of number one we abandon ourselves and the person that we are when our abandonment issue is triggered yeah you know you would think that we would run to ourselves embrace yeah. what we have but it actually causes us to abandon our our nature yeah, because that's what we know right yeah. that's the moon that's the, that's the pattern that we recreate you know, I was just thinking about, you know, moving forward with the abandonment and how much there really was and, you know, mm. leading me to, um, you know, 2014 when my godfather, so my mother's brother, um, you know, I wouldn't say we were super close, but he was there for me. He was there for me when my yeah. friend killed himself and, you know, he helped me through that because that was one of the most traumatic, obviously one of the most traumatic experiences of my life and, you know, and then uh, in 2014, he took his own life. Yeah. And I was abandoned again. So, I mean, it. I have a very strange and long history with abandonment, you know. And once again, you take a look at the abandonments, you know, because there's many, many different types. Yeah. But you take a look, your father leaving, your grandfather passing away, um, Dan taking, you know, dying by suicide, your uncle Dying yeah. by suicide, and these are all tragic events that just, you know, just take place out of the blue, unprecedented. Like it's not seen that it's coming, and it's such a tragic event. Yeah, and it's a shock. Yeah, to the system. You know. Yeah, I was just thinking when I was eighteen, I lost my grandmother. So mm-hmm. you know, the only <clears throat> grandmother that was in my life, which was my mother's, my mother's mother and my mother's father. You know, the only grandparents that were in my life, and you know, that definitely felt like an abandonment too. I couldn't function I could yeah. that was one time in life where I really couldn't function I couldn't even I couldn't even I didn't even feel like I could like put one foot in front of the other that's how lost I was yeah you know um and I think because with my grandmother even though we weren't super close because she had so many kids and yeah. she just had so <clears> much <throat> but she represented the only stable mm person in my entire yeah. life and then she was gone and I was 18 yeah that was it yeah. for me you know I already had my own daughter you know who was two at that time um you know and so of course all of these abandonment you know wounds you know really affected the way I parented her I'm sure you know um I just I had a really hard time letting her out of my sight I had a hard time you know, even letting yeah. somebody else put their hand on the stroller. I was living yeah. in constant, constant fear wow. that I was going to lose her. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wasn't even like in, for a long time able to let anybody drive with her, you know, without me being there, yeah, like taking yeah. her somewhere. It was, it was really pretty severe um, because of that fear. You know, think about that trauma. Think about, you know, day-to-day events and what, goes through the mind the emotional dysregulation on a regular basis on just a basic event during a course you know you know a grandparent aunt and uncle who wants to take you know brianna grandparent going somewhere and it's like that fear inside of you yeah that's a lot yeah that's a lot yeah i mean it affected my whole life my whole life i i think i can't remember a time in my life from my first memory you know, um, until I started healing, you know, which is fairly recently within the past 
bunch of years that I wasn't full of anxiety. I don't ever remember feeling really calm or at peace at all. Wow. Yeah. I mean, never as a child, you know, just ridden with anxiety and um, fear. It just, it was, it was just the way, that was it. That was my norm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a lot when you, you think about everything that you've had to go through from such an early age and the different levels of abandonment from parents, grandparents, friends, yeah. schools, house, you know, there, there's a lot that you, you know, you had to put up with. And then, of course, the other aspect that we were, we were reading was the fact of how abandonment issues create codependency. Totally. I mean, I don't think I had one healthy relationship. Yeah. Not one. Every single one was built on codependency. I mean, I was just the ultimate codependent. Yeah. You know, I was constantly fawning. Um, I had not, even though I, I knew my inside, but it was just me. I really didn't allow that part, you know, um, too much because yeah. of all my walls and, you know, just so much, so much armor. But, um, yeah, I just, as, as strange as it seems through all this abandonment, as I think, you know, with my father and my mother and then, you know, getting healthy, being in cognitive behavior therapy, which really, really mm-hmm. helps the brain set. So getting away from the codependency and getting a, like a strong sense of self, what that did for me was was so good. Yeah. I mean, I felt like it was so good. I mean, I because my brain actually understood, Yeah. you know, so I could understand and I could see it. But then what happened from breaking those codependent relationships was more abandonment. Wow. You know? Wow. So it, it just seems like it never stops. Yeah. You know, um, I had to break the relationship with my ex-husband and that was horrendous. It was yeah. horrendous for me, but it was a horrible relationship. It was totally codependent. It was enmeshed. It was trauma bond. It was, was dysfunctional on every level and it was abusive. Yeah. It was terrible. It was yeah. really, really terrible. I mean, you can't get any worse than this relationship. And, you know, even with these, these threats to me, you know, I'm going to leave you with nothing. And, you know, you're going to live in a cardboard box. And I know you, yeah. you know, have heard, heard this before and with your own ears that I have no worth. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we, yeah. Therapy, you even even yeah. helping me try very hard. Um, you know, his ego was just so large that he could not handle that I needed to get out of that relationship. And even when I said to him, I'm doing it for all of us. I'm not just doing this for me. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. So the abandonment of, you know, I guess I triggered his abandonment, you know, or whatever it was or his ego or whatever. So then that abandonment and then taking my children. Yeah. These three children who were the the lights of my life, the only thing that meant anything to me. And then having that abandonment too. Yeah. You know, and now you, you, you think about that there. I mean, you talk about compounding traumas. Yeah. 
abandonment on top of codependency, on top of abandonment, on top of abandoning yourself yeah. and doing things that were out yeah. of you know, your comfort zone because you're just trying to survive. Yep. I mean, that's just so much. The craziest thing and the hardest thing. And, and this, is, this, is, this is really hard for me to even talk about or to say because even though I know I did the right thing, even though I knew I had to change my patterns of behavior because of the trauma, right? Because of the abandonment, all of those relationships were going to be reformed by me not being codependent anymore. As soon as I started to assert boundaries, bam, that one's done. Bam, that one's done. It was like, how much further can you fall? And now here we are. I think maybe let's say 15 years into like doing some some serious uh, cognitive behavior therapy. Um, You know, like 12 years, probably about two years before we got together that I was doing it, you know, pretty intensely. and, um, And now I'm able to form relationships that aren't based on codependency that are based on this healthy new brain pattern but it was such a long you know yeah hard struggle you're going back to like what we we were talking about in the last podcast that you know even though you know better it's hard to do better yeah because you 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 don't have the capabilities you don't have the support i mean some and you also need to practice these Uh, behaviors to master it because how many times that i would fall back and then there was quite a few relationships on the in-between that just you know weren't weren't strong enough or, 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 you know, stable enough for me. I wasn't able yeah. to, you know, to hold on. This is what we talk about, about doing, you know, doing the work. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, you know, because of the fact of, you know, we have triggers, we have, you know, all these different issues, you know, abandonment being the, the core issue. So now who the hell wants to go out and try and formulate a relationship when the possibility of abandonment looms around the corner? Yeah, yeah. I'll stay with to myself, thank you. Yeah. But then where do we go from, what are we yeah. what are we doing? Well we we know this yeah. because we live this. Yeah. I mean, this is actually something that happened to us where we really did kind of say, like, okay, well, you know, I mean we had each other. Yeah. So yeah, we, we kind had of, each other till we had each other until yeah, we didn't. T- until we did. <laughs> and then it was like, Whoa man. Yeah, we realized that that is not the yeah. way that you can go, no. you know, and then building ourselves no. back up from that, you know. You know, that's that, that part of, you know, realizing that you need to have relationships yeah. with people, communication, you know, talking, and not just one relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I it reminds me of that, that very important, um, you know, lesson that I learned in in some of the uh, cognitive behavior therapy programs that I was doing about your core or your purple circle, some say might call it, you know, and then it's almost like, you know, a planet in the beginning, you know, in the middle, and then you have all these lines around it and, you know, all these rings around it and you put in, you know, the different people in your life in all the different categories. So of course the closest ones being who you live with, your partner, your, you know, your closest family. And then, of course, all the way, these outer circles until it goes way, way out here. And it's like the mailman, you know, the UPS driver, because you're seeing these people and you're saying hi to them, you know, or the post office, you know, 
people. So like, you know, you have, these are all the relationships that you need. You need community, yeah. you know, relationships. And there's, there's, there's so many relationships that are important, you yeah. know, that you need. And there's all sorts of relationships for all sorts of reasons. And they're all important, you know. Yeah, all those different interactions, that, you know, give you the ability to work on relationship. Yeah. You know, um, where you can really formulate your relationship with yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> your core skills on, yeah. on relationship. Yeah. You know, it's like, how am I going to be with myself? You yeah. know, because we, we say so many times that when you look at somebody and you get upset at the way that they're acting, a lot of times it's mirroring, you know, you're yeah. seeing in the other person what you don't like about yourself. Yeah. You know, getting to know who you are, what you're about, being confident in those feelings, being yeah. confident in those emotions, you know, gives you the ability to, you know, step into a relationship and say, you want to what? This isn't necessarily working for me. I think I'm gonna, you know, move on. I appreciate our time together, but yeah. you know, we'll we'll say hi in passing, but not to to continue a relationship that you feel is unhealthy yeah. because of your core feelings about relationships. Yeah, I have had to say to people, you know, we're not a great fit. Yeah, you know, and I hope you don't take that personally. But my time is precious to me. Yeah, you know, and that coming from somebody like me the life that I've lived before such a people pleaser somebody who wanted everyone to like me somebody who would yeah. do anything and wouldn't you know not have ever done something like that you know so um but I think we need to do that we need to be assertive and kind yeah you know but there's there's going to be tons of people out there not everybody are going to be for you yeah um the one thing that I was thinking about when you were talking and you know all the this work that you and I are doing as adults is a, has a lot to do with the fact or everything to do with the fact that we didn't learn it as children. Oh yeah. You know, oh, and absolutely. I know it's more common than not, but of course there's going to be a spectrum, right? Sure. So, you know, there's going to be people that are our age that would never have to deal with the things that we have to deal with. Yeah. Because of the fact that they were raised, say, in a stable, loving, emotionally supportive. available and supportive parental environment. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be perfect, but both parents, even if they were divorced and they had a, a decent relationship yeah, and they were emotionally yeah. mature. I mean, divorce isn't really the you know end all of you know whatever, trauma or whatever. It's... It's part of life, you know. A lot of people get divorced, and I and I know a lot of people who are very stable, children of divorce, you know, yeah. divorced uh, parents. And if the parents act appropriately and continue to show love and support for each other and for the children and make that a priority, you know, it all comes down to like think emotional intelligence. Yeah, yeah. Oh, emotional absolutely. Intelligence, you know, that is that is crucial. You know. Um, for all parties that are involved, you know, children of relationships that broke up, grandchildren of a relationship that broke up, you know, even so far as friends. So like here we go to a wedding, you know, two years ago and it's, you know, a co-worker and he's, you know, his, his bride is out on the dance floor um, and she has a dance, a moment with her stepfather and her father on the dance floor and they're sitting at the table together at the wedding. 
Yeah, it's very beautiful. I mean, it was just everybody. a beautiful relationship, mm-hmm. and it was you know everybody that was in that room got to see because I'm I'm sure a lot of people in the room have never ever seen a situation like that. Usually, it's fighting or you know we want to be on opposite ends of the of the room. You know, there's no way she's my daughter. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's more common that yeah you know, where it's dysfunctional and because of the egos involved and stuff yeah. and because i would say that we are not an emotionally intelligent society yeah, yeah. um but we we have seen it yes we have the Absolutely. other way the better way we have seen it you know it's less common we have seen it and we have seen how beautiful it is yeah so it's definitely possible yeah it takes all parties involved mm-hmm. to be willing to be loving, to be kind, and to be emotionally intelligent. Yeah. Really, that's what that, it takes. That's to, huge. Emotionally know. intelligent. Absolutely. That is a key key statement right there. Um, and then, you know, getting back to, you know, the abandonment aspects, you know, there's a lot of physical abandonments that, you know, people pass, people leave, lose this, move that, you know, but the one that really, you know, you, you touched upon was the emotional abandonment um and i think that's one of the things like me growing up you know we we had talked my parents married they you know they were previously divorced um but they were together um until my mom passed in 2001 and my dad stayed um faithful um did, did not date or do you know go out with anybody else or remarry um until he passed in 2017 um, so I had that household, you yeah. know, growing up where I was, I was born in Sound Beach and I was in the same exact, we moved from there when I was one and I was in the same exact house until they all passed away, Yeah, you know, so that wasn't there, but the emotional abandonment, yeah. you know, my parents weren't there for me, yeah. you know, when I was going through the things that I was going through in school, you know, like I had touched upon last, you know, podcast with a, you know, a, a school a classmate that I actually opened up to and I started to talk and become friends with. And then all of a sudden he moved and it was like, oh, my God, you know, it's like I, I just started to open up and started to really talk and, you know, be vulnerable, so to speak. And he ends up moving. Yeah. Um and now here's something like, my parents weren't there for me. They weren't, so what? He moved. That happens. Get over it, you know? Um, and it, it's that aspect that here's a, you know, a, a young man who's trying to you know, get on in, in life and make friends, which my parents didn't have many friends. You know, I mean, we never had dinner parties or anybody come over our house. It was, we would usually go over a family member's homes. That was about it that we did. Um, but there was no relationship goals as to how to interact with other human beings and how yeah. to, you know, be everything that I was taught was pretty much transactional relationships yeah. with transactional relationships. There's no possibility of abandonment because you're just going to move on once the transaction is done. Yeah. So it's not like there's an attachment of emotion, yeah. you know, um, but, you know, after, you know, we got together, there was a lot of words that I had no clue <laughs> what they meant. Codependent? Psst, absolutely not. I'm not codependent. <laughs> but then coming to the realization of how codependent I was growing yeah. up in a household that enmeshment was the 
the yeah. main way of living, yeah. you know, the codependency. And then, of course, abandoning myself on a daily basis. The person that I was, the, the way that I saw things, I followed suit with my parents, you know, to a degree that was so unhealthy that I never became my own person. You know, I think that's a really good point, you know, about how when we were young, because, you know, really little, those formative years, yeah. right? So those first, those first bunch of years, we were just constantly abandoning ourselves because yeah. of the enmeshment, because of yeah. the, uh, you know, the unemotional intelligence, yeah. right? Yeah. Of our parents, because, you know, I remember just, that was it. You were told and that was it. Yeah. There was no discussing anything. I know we were talking about this earlier, how my mother would just say, nope, that's the law. Yeah. And then she would, she would say, you know, she would sing the song like, I fought the law and the law won. So her name's Lori. So she was the law. Yeah. That was what she did. Man. So there was no conversation. There was no explaining. There was no understanding. And that was it. So when you're just told and that's it, yeah. you're just constantly abandoning yourself. So that's mm -hmm. what you're taught to do. From literally yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you're in an enmeshment, when you're in a dysfunctional family that's codependent, you're basically being taught to abandon yourself from, yeah. you know, from an from early your first age. So think yeah. about any relationship that you come up with, yeah. whether it be friend, whether it be spouse, whether it be whatever, you know, and you have zero clue how to appropriately create a healthy relationship yeah. and it's almost like you set yourself up for abandonment absolutely absolutely you know I think I think about all of the horrible relationships that I was in um you know as a young girl and um you know how I would beg to stay in these horrible relationships if you know if the other person yeah. wanted to end it or and I would be constantly sabotaging and doing you know crazy things so um so you know absolutely emotionally immature yeah, and you know yeah. really i know i had no um i had no support system to really show me the right way you know so i was just living it you know yeah um and i just i as we were talking i was just realizing how i was creating the same pattern that my mother did with my father because this was so i was four years old so this is my brain forming around what's right and wrong and what to do in life. So here I go and I do these same patterns, yeah. you know. I mean, it makes sense now as I'm Yeah, as I'm when you about when it. you look back, but yeah. in, in the yeah. moment at the time, you don't see what the possibilities or the outcomes or what's Well, I was just place. totally I was clueless. Yeah. You know, I was totally clueless until I mean, I was really asleep. Mm -hmm. Um until 2013. I mean, I was waking up, of yeah, course. I was, yeah. you know, I was in the sense of understanding my situation. And that was coming from teachers, from mm -hmm. psychologists, from my psychiatrist, from a tons of therapists and counselors. Um, and my own reading, too. My own research about, you know cognitive behavior therapy and changing the patterns because I understood what patterns were. This is something yeah, that I yeah. always picked up. But it wasn't until 2013 when I really feel like I woke up. I feel like I had an awakening and that was, you know, we were already together. And I think you remember. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I see the drastic change. And I, I think where the biggest thing for you and I were we were given the opportunity to see the reality of life. Not the altered version that we were, so to speak, I, I hesitate to use, forced to live in. But we got ourselves into relationships with children that we were in a place that was not easy because of our background, because of our upbringing, to walk away from or to change or to you know try to find a better way. You and I got together and we gave each other the opportunity to look at life from our own eyes unconditionally. Yeah. And not only was it, you know, um, given the, the space, but it was actually supported. Yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah. What do you want to say? What do you want to talk about? Yeah. I'm just here to listen. And you did the same exact thing for me, yeah. giving me the ability to actually look at what I wanted to do and what I wanted to see and what I wanted to be. Yeah. That awakening was huge because I finally came to an understanding that, oh my God, there is a wonderful life out there to be had. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't need to abandon myself anymore. However, the comfort and the understanding of what codependency is came back yeah. and this is what I was accustomed to yeah. and you fall into it and it's yeah. not like you put the trap on me or I put the trap on you no I know it it's, was ourselves yeah. Yeah. that we would, so it was like you, you you would share this with me you know um, somebody comes and knocks on the door and somebody comes to the door and they open it up and they hit you in the head with a hammer. Yeah. And this happened several times over and over again. And then, you know, finally you come to the door, you knock and they open it up and they stand there. They don't hit you in the head with the hammer, but you grab the hammer from them and you hit yourself in the head yes, with it. And yes. it's that, that part where you fall into this pattern yeah. that's it's a comfort for you like we had talked about last week about the um the somatic experience you know, somatic healing about the fact that you're in an environment that is healthy and profitable and and thriving and it scares you it doesn't because feel you feel unsafe yeah because it's not your norm yeah it's not what you're used to because yeah. your normalcy is dysregulation, is dysfunction, is, you know, chaos. Mm -hmm. And we, we have a tendency of searching for that chaos. Yeah. And it's so, it's, it's so tough, you know, because when you look back and you talk to, say you talk to a friend about something, it's so easy for you to say, my God, don't do that. It's crazy. That's just chaotic. Why would you think that? But when it happens in your own life, you think it's normal. Of course, we all think you know what's going on is normal yeah 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 because it is it's our normal yeah you it's know? what we're preconditioned to believe and see because that's what we've been raised in and what we've been brought up and what we've experienced and it's all that we know yeah chaos craziness you know and that that abandonment trigger when it happens in any form 
It, yeah, you get dysregulated too. Yeah. So then you, you know, you become that altered version of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a it's a lot of work to get out of that place. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of work. I mean, you and I are knee deep. Yeah. Knee deep yeah. in it. Um, you know, and it's a it's it's something that it's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're always working on it. I yeah. wouldn't say that I ever that I'm going to feel like, you know, one day I'm just going to be arrived. Yeah. It's going to be over. Yeah. I don't I don't think that that's what it's like. You know, I think that this is life. This is, you know, what we were given. These are the lessons that we were given. Um by God, the creator, something something larger than us and you know what we do here with this time that we're given, you know, is up to us. Yeah. So, you know, I make the conscious choice to do this work, to honor my journey and do it. And it has been a rough one. Yeah. It has been a really rough one. Um but I for some reason I always find the strength to get up and put one foot in front of the other. And I feel like I'm moving forward. I feel like my arrow is moving forward. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I just keep doing it. I just and, keep doing and it. And I think that that is so, so crucial right there, that, of that, that thought process of the arrow moving forward. Listen, we're not going to go to zero to 100 overnight. Um, we're going to make sidesteps. We're going to make errors. We're going to, you know, have some setbacks. But as long as for the most part, the progression is forward, you know, I was, I was thinking about, you know, the, the triggers of the abandonment issue. There's so many different ones and they're not all going to happen on a regular basis and say, okay, I'm going to practice working through this. It could be six years, seven years, 10 years, 15 years and a trigger pops back up and you're like, oh my God, I haven't seen you. Where have you been, my old friend? And then you fall right back into the abandonment (laughs) and then you you go back into those old pathways. Very true. You know, it's that fact that we need to stay vigilant. We need to stay focused. You have to be committed to self, right? Yeah, yes, yes. Committed to self. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, take those times that, you know, the fact of meditation, you know, is, is something that we talk about on a regular basis, which I know I don't do enough. That's why I try to do my yoga practice and stay focused, you know, do um, any type of meditation that pops up, whether it be inner child or tantric, shamanic, the, the different ones that we've been chakra working on. Chakra meditation. Chakra meditation, yeah. huge. And these are all things where we're working on self in these moments. Nobody else, not contending with any situation that we have. We are putting up ourselves and, and self-care. Yeah. And in those moments are the times that you know, we should really think about where we stand, where we're at. Um, and think about like the inner child healing or, or keeping the chakras aligned. That things that don't serve us. Yeah, we need to recognize that and keep them in a place that I know they're there, but I don't need to keep going down that road. I need to make sure that I keep a healthy environment for myself and on a regular basis, stay focused to that goal and say, yeah, I don't want to be down there. I don't want to do that. I think for for me, you know, I I feel in the beginning of the breakdown, the abandonment issue came up and and was triggered heavily. Yeah. And I was knee deep in the middle of enmeshment and codependency where I I had made a comment about, you know, I don't even make decisions, Jen makes them. Yeah. You know, and I think about that. What, What does that mean? What is that? 
You know, that, that's like the furthest thing from the truth. But yet in my, in my sordid mind, I'm thinking that, that this is the, the fact. But it was the codependency. It was the, the fact of going down a pathway of comfort of what I felt was my life not realizing how much damage I was doing. So now here comes the breakdown and I'm having these triggers that keep hitting me about ban- you know, my abandonment. Now, mind you, I had zero clue that I even had an abandonment issue as a core wound. Yeah, we found that after, right? We found that out <laughs> after, you know, which we're still trying to figure out the, you know, the, the knee-deep information about why I feel the abandonment issue is so bad. Um, but it's one of those aspects that I need to come to a realization of, okay, you want to what? I have an abandonment issue. I need to learn how to manage through and deal with life on life's terms. The triggers are going to take place, but it's what I do with that trigger. What I did was I changed my entire person and I became someone who I wasn't that was just angry and frustrated and hateful and just had so much pain inside and I spewed that pain out. Yeah. And that was not me. Yeah, and I can totally relate because that had happened to me quite a few times, you know. Yeah. Um, right after, Right after Dan had taken his life... I had, you know, my a really severe um, anger and rage outburst. It was terrible. It was terrible. And I really, you know, it was really, really bad. Um, you know, I mean, I think that the, the abandonment wound being triggered causes to get into this really fearful, dysregulated state. Yeah. And... Um, it's very destructive, you know. I think that's why it's so important to, you know, address it and to have uh, healthy outlets and support. Yeah. Um, therapy. I mean, yeah. I know it's it's not so easy, but you know. Yeah. You know, to really get yourself into a better place emotionally, because uh, it ends up really compounding your trauma. Yeah. When you don't. Yeah. You know, and and I'll I'll go back to that, you know, for the main purpose of why we're doing the podcast, you know, healing relationship, you know, healing um, child, inner child wounds in a relationship. Relationships are so huge, that community, that environment, you know. A, a the closer the relationship and you were talking about the purple circles and the different aspects right so that person that's in that circle with you needs to be your support and you need to pull them closer when my abandonment issue was triggered i kicked you out of that purple circle yeah i didn't pull you closer yeah so now like you said it so many times you became the enemy yeah you were not the supportive spouse. Yeah. You know, and I lost that trust. And that's that pain that I've brought upon that now that's that compounding trauma. Yeah. And it's, you know, abandonment issue, trigger, abandoning self, yeah. turning into someone that I'm not, and then isolating. 
Yeah. And pushing everybody away. Yeah. Because that's well. I mean, think about it. I mean, that is how that is a self protect. Mm -hmm. Because we don't want to even feel that. We don't want to feel it. So you know that would be what our brain would be doing as a coping. Yeah. To help us. I mean, it seems. You know. Yeah. But that is it. It makes sense. No, it does. Because you don't want to feel the pain of the loss. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's absolutely. Too much. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. Because it's not just a pain of that loss. Mm-hmm. It's a pain of all the losses before coming back. Yeah. Because we haven't dealt with it. I haven't talked about my grandmother's death. I haven't talked about my mom's death. Yeah. I haven't talked about my dad dying. I never talked about the fact that Augie, my first dog, when he died. Yeah. And how that impacted me. I I don't even know how old I was when that happened. Yeah. Because I I can't put the time frame because I haven't dealt with that pain from that time period. And then it gets trapped. Yeah. You know, it's trapped in you. Yeah. And then now, oh boy, I got to actually trigger the abandonment wound so I can open up Pandora's box. So I can deal with the abandonment wound. Yeah. And that's a that's a scary thought process. That's a fear inside. But I know it's something that needs to be done and needs to be addressed so that I can move on. Because there's so many abandonment triggers that if I don't contend with some of them, they're just going to keep multiplying. And then, of course, now you trigger it. Yeah. Now you're back into that place. Yeah. That's why it's important to talk about your feelings, talk about what's going on, express the emotions inside and get them out so that they're not sitting there, so they're not suppressed, so that they don't turn into something else. Because the only thing they're going to do is just make those triggers more severe and then go back into that deeper, darker place. What are some triggers for you that you feel like have you know, triggered that abandonment wound in you? Is there anything that you can think about? I think, you know, the the first one that, that comes out is the fear. The fear of not being accepted. You know, meeting somebody, talking, and, you know, trying to build a relationship. That fear of acceptance, yeah, um, I think is is my yeah, first I one. But it, it it goes back to I I need to be able to accept myself, because if I can accept myself for who I am and what I'm about, it's okay if somebody else doesn't agree. Oh yeah, it, definitely. I mean, the stronger we get, and that's that. Like going back to what we were saying about healing the abandonment yeah. wound, because you need to be strong in self. You know, you need to rescue yourself, you need to love yourself, you need to accept yourself, you need to be with yourself. Because if you yourself yeah. are good enough for you, then, you know, you can interact with the rest of the world without those triggers, yeah. without those thoughts of being abandonment where you're, you know, you know, creating these patterns and self-sabotaging and, and it's you know, the building pushing of away confidence. and yeah, absolutely. getting angry and, you know. You know, that, that building of confidence of self Gives you the ability to, you know, as as we had discussed much earlier in the, in, pod, in the podcast, you know, um, you're a peach, and not everybody likes peaches. But you need that. You need to like yourself. 
Well, what you're what you're um, referencing is, you know, you could be the sweetest peach uh, in the you. bunch. Yes. But there's going to be people that don't like peaches. Yeah. You know. And no matter how sweet you are, people mm-hmm. just don't like peaches. Yeah, there's going to be some people that don't like peaches. Yeah. yeah. And and it is so to speak a two way street. And I think this is that part that I get lost inside of my head. And we had a little bit of a conversation earlier about it. It's okay for us not to necessarily like somebody else. Totally. That we don't feel like there's a fit. Absolutely. And we need to just say, okay, I'm going to move on. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, not everybody is going to be a fit. In fact, I don't, I don't remember the exact um, percentages, but it's more than not. Yeah. You know, that you're not going to be a fit with somebody that you're not going to be. So, you know, you ha- you know, now we have these band moons. Mm-hmm. We have to go out into the world and we actually have to meet people and we got to see if we're a good fit and we got to do all this, you know, peopling and it's exhausting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you got to keep doing your thing and you know there's been plenty of times where you know I've been out there and you know trying to create you know a a good healthy you know relationships for myself and that it wasn't a good fit for me and the other person was either persistent or you know really didn't want to see it my way even when I would just back away slowly and it was you know it's uncomfortable but and then you 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 have no choice you know I mean unless you want to abandon yourself but to say you know, just in the nicest possible way, you know, for me, I can be very direct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes. You have your direct moments, Sometimes, that is for sure. Sometimes, you know, maybe a little too direct. Um, trying to work on that nice balance of being direct and kind. <laughs> Wasn't that the last class that we did yeah. with the, the psychological and emotional safety where, you know, you can be direct and kind. Like, that's the best way to be. And it's it's difficult to find that good balance. Yeah. But that's a big part of what I'm working on. But... um. You know, I do feel very strongly that my time is precious. Yeah. And if yeah. I don't feel like the other person is a good fit for me, I'm not wasting my time. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm judging people yeah. right away. You know, absolutely not. Nope. I'll give it enough time. But if I really know that this person is not a good fit for me, then, you know, I'm going to just back up slowly, you yeah. know, and usually that does the trick. But if the person is persistent... Yeah. And it just forces the hand where you have to say something, you know, you have to, you can be kind, but you just, you know, need to say like, you know, I really don't feel like we're a good fit. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's how I try to do it. No, you know, and it's, that's, it's that's not great. you. <laughs> yeah, it's me. <laughs> it's me. Um, but you know, just, just that's it. You know, I feel like my time is precious and you know, I, I choose to spend it with people that I think yeah. are a good fit for me. You know, you would ask me the question, what do I think the, you know, the, the triggers, it's, you know, a, a lot of it is that, that fear of acceptance, you know, but one of the things that is, is a trigger is there's moments when I abandon myself in a situation and it might not have anything to do with anybody else, but I trigger myself mm. because of the people pleasing, because yeah. of the fawning yeah. and the next thing you know. Um, you know, hightailing it into a you know corner or yeah. an emotional wreck of an environment. Yeah. You know, because I've abandoned myself yeah. again. You know, like we had talked about setting goals. That's and, triggering. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's triggering. Didn't mean to interrupt you. I just thought that's so triggering, right? Yeah. When we realize that we abandoned ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Please no, no, that's fine. And it, it it's that thought process inside. When you want to do the right thing, 
and you have to really make a conscientious effort to not give up yourself mm-hmm. to not sacrifice yourself yeah to not abandon yourself yeah yeah and it's and especially okay. when it's such a habit and it's your pattern oh, so yeah. it feels uncomfortable to not abandon yourself yeah it does it feels yeah. very uncomfortable yeah and yeah. that's a, oh my god i'm unsafe no, it's actually the safest place that you yeah. can be because you're looking out for yourself. Well, they say growth is right outside of your comfort zone, right? Yeah. I mean, and I understand that yeah. now more than ever. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've understood it for a while, but I really understand it. And in yeah. this moment, it makes so much sense, yeah, right? Yeah, it does. So our comfort zone is always abandoning ourselves because we're looking for acceptance, because we've been abandoned, you know, we didn't, you know, we've been abandoning ourselves yeah. from, you know, these little children so here we are, we know better now, we're attempting to do better because we're developing the support, you know, we're continuing to practice, we're surrounding ourselves with people that understand these these terms, we're practicing, we're doing it, you know, we're taking an active role, and that right outside of what we're used to, that uncomfortability, is where the growth is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So every time we stand strong in self and not abandon ourselves, we grow. Yeah. We heal. Yeah. And it gets a little bit easier, you know. And it's been wonderful watching you, Tim. Actually, I mean, I oh, I know that life is just a about suffering and it's a painful yeah, process. Yeah. And then we just, you know, we try to make, you know, we try to make the best life we can, and you know, um, accept life for what it is, which yeah. is the availability to be happy. Then, right? Because yeah. We just have to accept it because it's not perfect. Just like humans are not perfect. This life is hard. It's rough. It's tough. And the experience here, the human experience, we just have to accept that this is what we're supposed to be going through, right? Because it's not ideal, if you use that word. But it's been wonderful, you know, being a part of your journey and watching you grow. Um, I couldn't be prouder. I mean, really. Thank you. You know, and it's funny. It was just, you know, something that, that hit me, you know, as, as you were talking about growth and understanding. And because uh, I can say the same thing about you. And, you know, one of the things that how we talked about the mirroring, you know, and it was only about a month ago when I had made a comment to you about you not taking working on your abandonment issues seriously enough because you were battling a lot of different things and we had some issues going on and I had some emotional unrest in self and I had made this comment to you and then you know it was just the other day that we came to an understanding it's like oh my god it's the reason that I had said that is because I wasn't working on my abandonment (laughs) issues And it's like, wow, man, you know, it's like, but you need to recognize, you know, sometimes that's that communication aspect that we say things, we talk about things. We need to really pay attention and really look and see what we're saying, when we're saying it, why we're saying it and really be in tune, you know, like in the, the Buddhist concept, you know, they talk about it's not about the answer. It's really more about the question. I know. I like that. I like that a lot. You know? Yeah. And and it's one of those things that it's not about the statement. It's about what's behind the statement. <laughs> and it's like, wow. I always love when you give me feedback. You know, you know that. Yeah. No matter how yeah. hard it is to hear. Yeah. You know? Um, 
I wish I could relish in your joy and excitement <laughs> about that. But I'm working on that. You're working on that. You know, because my ego likes to jump into the yeah. way every well, we, now and listen, then. Listen, we all have different strengths and yes. weaknesses, right? We know yes. that. So, um, so I don't know if you want to call that one of my strengths. I don't. I don't mind it. I like it. You yeah, know, I like no, that. I, I like feedback. My closest friendships, you know, are are open to feedback. That's where I'm really comfortable. Yeah. Um, I know it's not exactly your comfort zone, and you know, you don't. Go it out a ton, no. but, but I always ask for it, and I yeah. really do like when you give it because I always take a look at it, yeah. you know. So even when you said that, I'm like, all right, I'm taking a look at that, you know. Um, I always want to take a look at it because that's where I feel the growth is, yeah, you know. So I'm always getting something out of it because I'm delving in yeah. my own self to really take a look and be, and I have to be honest with myself, yeah, yeah. Is this something that I, you know, I, I really want to figure it out yeah and honor what you're bringing to my table i really do so so i like you know no matter what no matter what you bring in whether it be a reflection or not but um okay we're just gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back all right hey we're back you know we uh we've been trying to keep our podcast to about an hour so we're going to be wrapping this one up um, and, you know, we've been trying to change the pattern a little bit and trying to figure out what works best. And, you know, we, we've been really feeling comfortable with going back and forth and asking each other questions and talking, you know, uh, about the podcast as we go. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking we were talking about on the break is um, how to work through the abandonment wound you know what do you feel has been beneficial to you that has helped you through not allowing the triggers to affect you as much mm-hmm, man it's a big question Tim <laughs> yeah you know because it, it's real the triggers are gonna happen this is something yeah. that's a lifelong um all right so there's a bunch of stuff I mean I would think you know the most important thing is that you have have to to really work on the relationship with yourself Mm. so that's just the biggest thing you have to that has to be something that's a priority um you know the stronger that you are with your relationship with yourself i think the easier it will be yeah you know whatever's coming your way i mean that's for me that's how it works for me so i would say you know really working hard on that relationship with self loving yourself respecting yourself, honoring yourself. I mean, all of these things are, are what's going to start to heal those wounds of the abandonment. Yeah. You know, so once you can work on that and not abandon yourself, and as we talked about earlier, you know, it's such a hard thing when it's just a long um, practice where you're comfortable. You yeah. know, it's so uncomfortable to not abandon yourself and actually have to tell somebody else no. Yeah, oh, boy. You know. Is that possible? Well, I mean, it's rough. Yeah, it's really rough. I, I think it. you know. Um, just, <laughs> just recently in one of my codependency groups, we were talking about um, boundaries and you know how when we all started to you know um, change and create boundaries and grow out of the codependency, you know, things that would happen to us and. You know, I spoke and shared that, you know, when I started to assert boundaries um, and not abandon myself Mm. for the first time ever, um, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I, you know, ended up, you know, losing long term 
friendships. Yeah. You know, quite a few of them because, you know, for my whole life, I had been a certain way. And then all of a sudden I decided, like, I'm not going to abandon myself. I need to speak up to this friend who just yeah. keeps putting me off and putting me off and putting me off and just expecting me to always, you know, just wait and, oh, no, no, I'm going to be another hour. I'm going to be another hour. I'm going to be another hour. And finally, I felt strong enough in self to say something like, this isn't okay with me. You know, yeah. I need to feel like, you know, when we make a time or we set, you know, that this is what we're going to do. And like, you know, this is like how many times now? And, um, and that person was not happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was shocked. I was really, really shocked at how bad it was going yeah. when I stopped abandoning myself yeah. <laughs> because I was such a horrible people pleaser, such a horrible do anything mm. for anybody, abandon myself so much for so long um, that the relationships I was in were so damaged, you yeah. know, they were so yeah. um, rooted in me abandoning myself mm. that the new person, the me who wasn't abandoning myself was, was unrecognizable yeah. to the other person. You know, I like had. How dare you take that away from I? me? How dare I? How dare I change? Yeah. You know. Um, but the truth is, is it had to be done. Yeah. You know, yeah. as hard as it is, so that's why I think I was saying earlier, you know, that it was hard to talk about because it is painful. Mm. It is painful when you're healing from abandonment. It is painful yeah. because you're gonna probably feel a ton more pain before you start to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's my experience. I'm sure everybody is going to experience it differently, but you know, um, you know, that's how it happened for me. I I can understand that, and I, and I would have to say the same. You know, I think the the part of taking you know steps, you need to have that solid core in self, you know, so that you can be in in the best place that you possibly can be. And then to make the changes as you you seem fit, you know, a lot in moderation. You know, I think that's really, everything in moderation is really key. It's not like you can go from one, you know, zero to a hundred like that because nine out of ten times that speed and that quickness, you're not handling situations Absolutely. right. You know, you're, Absolutely. you're triggering different yeah. responses, you know, because of course the core, the, you know, the, the biggest response, um, um, uh, wound is is abandonment, but there's so many other uh, issues that are mm-hmm. at hand. Where by trying to heal one, you can actually trigger others and then create issues inside of yourself. So it is something that you need to go slow, and really focus on. Um, but that building up of self and making sure that you're in in a good place. For me, that is so important because my self defense mechanism is ego. And then now Mm -hmm. the anger and the frustration comes out because my ego is triggered, you know, and it's so unhealthy because of the fact that I don't feel strong in self. I don't have self-esteem. I don't have the confidence in myself to put up those boundaries or to do different things. And then it just, it keeps compounding trauma. It changes from one thing to the next, and it's another pain and suffering. So I totally understand and hear what you're saying about working on self. Um, And then, you know, the other thing that I I feel is, you know, thinking, you know, meditating, thinking about the, the, the triggers and how you're affected and then how you affect others. 
Breathe. Take the pause. <laughs> breathing is good. Yeah, breathing, breathing is, is so important. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, so, Practice the pause. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, I think that can, you know, kind of go with quite a few things, but definitely in this one as well. Um, you know, I had no idea what that pause was at yeah. all for yeah. most of my life, and it got yeah. me into some pretty you know, hot water. Um, and now I practice the pause. Now I practice the pause as much as I can. Um, the pause makes me feel safe. Um, you know, the pause is a really good thing, you know, keeping it nice and slow. You know, so many times we look around in our world and people are just reacting, reacting, reacting. So if you're being triggered, you know, by, you know, if your abandonment wound gets triggered, you know, we're reacting, reacting, reacting. If you practice the pause and you understand what that means and you can pause and you're slowing your nervous system down, you can actually respond. So even when you're triggered, yeah, you're not reacting. You're not yeah. coming a pl- from a place of reaction. You're coming from a place of responding. Yeah. And it's all about the pause. Yeah. It's all about the pause. That's like so crucial, you yeah. know. It's like when you are when you're already at that stage of boiling and all it takes is just a pin drop. It's like that straw that broke the camel's back. Empty the backpacks, empty the load as often as you can so that you're not already right there. You know, that pause is so crucial. But it's like when you're already at the boiling point, all you're just doing is just looking for that next thing. And I think so many people go around like that. Yeah, well, we're just carrying it constantly. So I think, you know, what we everything that we've gone over is some, you know, some really good points. So these are the things that you can do. Um, you brought up the backpack reference, yeah. you know. So, um, you know, and communicating. So communicate yeah. your feelings so that you don't fill your backpack yeah. You know, with stuff so much so that when something happens and you're triggered, your abandonment yeah. is triggered, that you don't have enough room and then the straw breaks the camel back and, you know, you're reacting. So if you, <clears throat> you know, communicate your feelings and, you know, you're, you're, you're letting your feelings out, you'll have the room in your backpack. We use this backpack reference. We'll have yeah. to talk about that. Yeah. Did we talk yeah. about that on we, podcast? We did yeah. talk about it in the, in the last podcast, right, but we didn't really get into great detail. So, but. you know, we, you know, when you empty your backpack and, you know, you're talking about your feelings and you're not carrying so much um, or you let all those rocks out, there's so many references, so yeah. many therapeutic references, but, you know, you have enough room in there. Um, and then if you practice the pause and you take that time to take a break, you're not reacting. You're not coming from a place of reaction, which is going to be all the coping. It's going to be this, the fire, spit fire. It's going to yeah. be the anger. It's going to be the rage. It's going to be the pain. It's going to be the drama coming out. But if you can pause, and I know for me, I'm still triggered all the time. I have a complex PTSD. This might yeah. be something that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. So these triggers come, and some of those you know, thoughts and some of those you know, ideas, the pain comes in. But because I'm now so practiced in it, I can pause and instead of reacting, which where I would compound my trauma in the past, I can just let those thoughts go through me. And so I feel, I observe these thoughts and I feel like, oh, that like you had said, reference that old friend. (laughs) I know you. really going to pay attention to you. I'm just going to let you pass through me. You're a thought. You're not real. 
I'm going to breathe. I'm going to pause. I'm not going to do anything right now because even though I might feel like doing this, that, and the other thing, all, you know, past patterns of coping that are unhealthy for me, I'm not going to do those. I'm going to pause. And before you know it, those thoughts pass. Yeah. They're gone. And now because I paused, I didn't do anything that's going to cause me further harm because I was triggered, you know. Now you can respond rather than Now I can respond. And a lot of time the response is just let me go take a walk. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let me go, you know, get some sun. Let me go read. Let me go, let me go do something, you know. Um, So that's it. You know, I think, you know, I think we went over a lot of really great things. Um, And you guys learned something about Tim and I, maybe, that our core wounds are abandonment. Um, And I'm sure that there's, you know, plenty of people out there that can, you know, relate. And um, if you have any questions, of course, as as always, just uh, just send them on Spotify and um, and we'll respond. Yeah, we are really enjoying the podcasts you know we're enjoying the work to being done and it's great to be able to get it out there to you and thank you for joining us in our healing journey um being able to open up and express what we've been dealing with not only helps us but we're hoping that it gives you a little bit of a a glimpse of helping yourselves in in you know going through this thing we call life yep so we will see you guys next week. And who knows? What, what's the podcast going to be, Tim? That was going to be one of my questions, but I'm so tired. Oh, man. <laughs> one thing oh. we decided is we were going to do these podcasts earlier in the day because by this time we're, we're both pretty tired. Um, but uh, I don't know what we're going to do next week. Oh, I think, you know, we, we have a lot of different topics that are out there. You know, we keep talking about delving deeper into the work rather than, you know, the... the Should we uh, do that? The, the work? The deep? The deep? Yeah, we can, we can, we'll, we'll figure out what <laughs> the next deep... Oh, boy. Relationships? Building relationships. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, navigating relationships. We just got done talking about, you know, triggers and how abandonment issues, you know? You know, I was just thinking about something, and I don't know. I'm going to mention this, but we'll see what happens. But um, maybe, maybe we invite somebody on our podcast next oh, week. Oh, boy. Yeah. Like, I have somebody in mind. Somebody. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we think about the same person. Well, we'll see. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Jen and Tim. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. Maybe, maybe. I might ask somebody. Um, And if you're listening, you know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast, A Relationship, Healing from Childhood Trauma. Enjoy your week, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Jen and I look forward to sharing more of our healing journey with you.